The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. We continue in our study today in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12. And Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Father God, we ask for your help worshiping you this morning. I pray that as we continue to sing, that we will bring glory to you as we celebrate you, our faithful God, who is always with us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. God, thank you that you are a good Father, one who is full of love, grace, mercy, and justice. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, that teaches us and challenges us. And I pray, God, that as we come to your word, Father, that you would open our eyes and our ears to see and to hear the truth of the scriptures. God, we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would use the teaching of your word to change us, to be more like your son, Jesus. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. And what a perfect time of worship. The lyrics of those songs were so well chosen when we look at the text we're looking at today. And uh, as we look at God as our Father, and He's encouraging us to pray. Uh, does anyone know what refrigerator rights are? Has anyone ever heard of that, that term? No one. Absolutely. See, that's why you come to church to learn very important things like refrigerator rights. Refrigerator rights means that you have a close enough relationship to me that you come in my house. It's not strange or weird or obnoxious that you would go straight to the refrigerator and grab something out when you're hungry or thirsty and help yourself. Now, there is a difference. There are some people who think they have refrigerator rights, but it's only because they lack self-awareness and because they're obnoxious and they come in your house and you're like, really? I don't think we have that kind of relationship. You've got to earn trust. You've got to have a relationship to have refrigerator rights. Uh, We use this analogy sometimes when we talk about what community groups uh, are meant to be all about. I've sometimes teaching on the value of community groups. We've said, you know, over time, you get to where you have refrigerator rights with those people in your life. And maybe those of you who've been in community group have experienced that, the beginning of community group. You're all polite, and you're nice, and you're like, hey, you you look at what they've set out, and you get thirsty, you take that. But then by the end of the year, they've already, several weeks in a row, said, look, just help yourself. There's waters back there. There's coffee in there. You know, make yourself at home. And so by the end of that year together, you may or may not, but hopefully you have gotten to the point at times where you feel like you had refrigerator rights. Well, today we're going to see that Jesus is basically, forgive the analogy, but he's telling us we have refrigerator rights with God. He's telling us, I want you to be comfortable enough with God that you ask him, you, you, you feel totally free in asking him for what you want or what you need. And so that's what we're looking at today. The Howards have refrigerator lights, rights in our life. Jeff and Dina Howard, we've been friends for a long time. We were accountants together, Jeff and I were, and Dana and I. 
Three of us were, oh, back in the day, we built our houses next door to each other. Not only do they have refrigerator rights, we got house rights. I mean, we got keys to each other's house. We share each other's tools. Jeff is welcome to come to my house anytime to borrow his drill. Anytime, because it stays in my garage. And anytime he wants it, he knows his drill is in my garage. One day I came home, and my blower was missing. And my first thought was, I don't think it was stolen. I bet it's next door. I called Jeff. Hey, you got my blower? Yeah, it's in my garage. It's just what we do. I show up, the ketchup's missing. I know that those boys, those Howard boys, have run out of ketchup. Apparently, they eat ketchup with their, they eat food with their ketchup because it's always running out. Uh, we share each other's. Dana borrows Dina's crock pot. I mean, it's just we have that kind of relationship. We borrow. We, we don't have any type of insecurities. It's just like, hey, whatever you need, you got a key to the house, help yourself. We have that kind of comfort level with each other. And that's what Jesus is talking about in chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Jesus is saying, I want you to know just how comfortable you should feel asking God for these good things that you need. Let's read the text again in Matthew 7, 7 through 12. It says, Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone, listen to these unqualified general promises. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. And then he explains, Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Lord, would you teach us this morning to be persistent in passionate prayer? that asks and seeks and knocks at your door. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So where have we been in the text? We have seen Jesus has taught us on the topic of prayer. Remember when he was talking about anxiety, don't be anxious, but instead ask your Father who loves you. And, and this is where he began this Father analogy and how powerful it is. I was talking with someone this week of just how incredibly powerful it is to, to think about this father-child relationship in our terms of our relationship with God and how that should transform our relationship with him, and, and especially in the area of prayer. And he said, look, I take care of the birds. How much more am I going to take care of you? And then in the Lord's Prayer, he said, listen, I am your father, our father who is in heaven. I'm not a bad father. I'm the perfect heavenly father who wants you to spend time with him. And we talked about how the Lord's Prayer was a guide. And it was a guide of basically an outline for all of our prayers where the first portion was that we should be concerned with God's concern. His name, His rule, and His will. 
And that we should start with our Father and, and, and reorienting our mind and our heart's affections to, the, to the, the reign, the rule, and the name of God. And then he says, now as far as your concerns, all of them, daily bread, uh, your, your, your physical needs, your spiritual needs, forgiveness, and your moral needs, overcoming temptation and evil, all of your needs, he says, bring to me as your Father. And we saw how it was a constant reminder of our desperate need for God to provide, and he's saying, come to me, I want to provide. And so he's been teaching us, Jesus has his disciples at his feet, at the Sermon on the Mount, and he's teaching them about the, the life of a disciple, and one of these key aspects he keeps coming back to is that disciples need to know that God is their perfect, loving, all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful Father. And we should come to him with all of our needs, because he loves us, he loves to provide for us, he loves to provide for you, he loves spending time with you, he loves to provide for all of your needs. And so here he returns again back to this topic of prayer, and, and we see him saying basically taking it even a step further. In these verses, he's, he's emphatically commanding us, exhorting us to come to him for things. Let's look at the grammar in verse 7 through 8. As we kind of unveil the grammar and, and the, the Greek, what's going on here, it's very powerful. He says, ask, and that these three verbs are repeated. Ask, seek, and find. I mean, ask, seek, and knock, and it'll be open to you. For everyone who asks, seeks, and knocks, it will be open. And so he's repeating this emphasis of asking, seeking, knocking, heaping it on top of each other to, to make the point. But then you notice the verbs are in the, the uh, they're imperatives, which means they're commands. It means that I'm commanding you to ask, seek, and knock, ask, seek, and knock. But they're also in the present tense. They're, they're saying continually. And that's where you've probably heard before teachers say it's, it's like saying Ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. And so there's this passion that is behind these verbs, these, these repetitive phrases. And so R.T. France says that Jesus is simply encouraging us to ask with all our hearts. Because a lot of people like to sit there and, and miss that point by trying to figure out, well, what's the difference between asking, seeking, and knocking? What exactly? And, and that may be helpful for you to go home and meditate and think about it. But don't miss the point that he's basically saying the same thing about Jeremiah 29.13 says. In Jeremiah 29.13, it says, seek God. It says, those who seek God will find him if they seek him with all their heart. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Seek God with all your heart, with all your passion, with all your persistence. Just like anything else that you are passionate about, that your heart is in, that you are fully committed to, you are going to ask and seek and find. You are going to be relentless. You're going to be persistent. And God says, that's what I want you to feel free to do. You have those rights as a child of God who is in Christ. I want you to seek me with all your heart. I want you to ask me with all your passion and all your desires. I want, you to, I want you to knock and keep on knocking. I want you to seek me with great persistence and passion. He's saying, my house is your house. My food is your, house, your food. My treasures are your treasures. What do you need? Ask. What are you looking for? Seek. Knock. 
Don't be shy. Don't be hesitant. Don't be formal. Don't be afraid. And so he uses these, this grammar to say, I want you to seek me with all your heart. Be passionate. But then you have to ask the question because he was emboldening us and he's doing it with these general unconditional promises. Everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks, it's open to them. So we to take this to mean that Jesus is promising to give us whatever we want. If we lift just this verse out, we might think that's what he's saying, is that, that if you just persist, if you really, 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 really want it, I'm going to give it to you. Like, if you will nag God to death, you just break his will, he's going to give it to you. Like, we all know children can do. Well, that's not what he's saying in in verse six, chapter 6, verse 25 through 34, Jesus was teaching us not to be anxious, for your heavenly Father knows what you need and he loves us, but he says he will make sure all your needs are met. In the Lord's Prayer, when he says, ask all these things, we see the nature of them where they were in accordance. They were for the glory of his name. They were in accordance with under submission to his rule, and it was in accordance with his will, and it was all that you need for me to be able to do all those things is to bring glory to God. And so, no, he's not saying, I'll just give you whatever you want if you just want it bad enough. In the context of the Sermon on the Mount, we understand there are some parameters, but he is, having, have, he is wanting us to be bold. He is wanting us to go after it. On this balance between want, the desire to go passionately after God for things in prayer, yet is he saying we can have anything we want, France again says, it is therefore perhaps wise to read these unqualified offers in verse 7 through 8, against the backdrop of the quote-unquote good things which God will surely give, do not necessarily include everything that his children might like to have. The carte blanche approach to petitionary prayer does not find support in the New Testament as a whole. So this is not just simply a carte blanche, anything you want. Come to God, though it can sound like that if you just lift this verse out of its context. To give you anything you want, anything you ask, even if you're not really convinced it's good for your children, to give your children that, that's spoiling your children. That's not good for them. You, you have a role as a father or as a mother to discern what is good and what's not good for them. He's saying, that God's not saying, I'll give you anything you want even if it's not good for you as long as you're persistent. So the good things is, means the good things that God deems to be good for us. But he, having put that little qualification out there, he is saying that I want you to go for it in prayer. I want you to be free to ask God what, what you need. Ask God for good gifts. I want you to passionately seek and ask God. So it, it seems the disciples must have had a mindset where they were a little hesitant to ask God for things. Maybe there's some of us that way. Maybe some of us just feel, I, I don't know that I really uh, feel free to ask God for these things. Now, why is it that the disciples might have been hesitant to, to feel free to ask and keep on asking, seek and seek and, and knock and keep knocking? I mean, maybe they had just sense of, you know, I just asked him for something last week. 
You know, does anybody have that kind of relationship with their parents, maybe, where, where they, they never had that freedom? They were not encouraged. Hey, look, yeah, come to me. I want. And so it can, it can be that they just don't feel this freedom. And in fact, one professor, Joachim Jeremiah, had a team and they explored volumes and volumes of ancient Jewish literature teaching on prayer. And he found this from their study of all this literature. He says, in no place. In this immense literature is this invocation of God as Abba or Father to be found. No Jew would have dared address God in this manner. And so it wasn't taught up until this point. It wasn't taught before Jesus arrived. It wasn't taught to to talk to God this way. To talk to God as Father, as Dad, as an intimate trusting relational concept. This was new, and it was messing with their heads. And so Jesus is sitting them down saying, listen, you have this good reverential awe and respect of of God. In fact, they wouldn't even say his name, and, and so they would be real careful not even to say his name. And so Jesus is saying to them, ask your father. He's your father. Ask him and keep on asking him. Seek and keep on seeking his face and knock and keep on knocking. That's the kind of God that you have. I wonder how many of us have refrigerator rights with God. I wonder how many of us, when we hear God telling us through his word, I want to have that kind of relationship with you. We just go, I don't know. It just feels disrespectful. I don't know, I don't feel comfortable asking and asking and seeking and seeking and, and knocking and knocking. I feel like maybe I've just got, just got, I'm going to pace those requests. I mean, it might get on his nerves or, or I don't really deserve because I, I, you know, I just don't feel comfortable. Why, what, what do we see is Jesus is saying, no, that's not what I want for you. For us to feel comfortable with this kind of asking and seeking and knocking, we have to understand the gospel. The gospel transforms our mindset, our relationship, and therefore it transforms our prayer life. The gospel says that if you are in Christ, it's, it's by faith alone, you are currently today, is your current posture one of trusting only in what Christ did for your righteousness? Not your own righteousness, but, but what Christ did, that he lived the perfect life and he died in order to give you credit for his perfections and forgive you for your, your sin. And once you are in that posture, that faith in Christ alone, The scriptures tell us that God adopts you as his child. God declares you. He gives you credit for Jesus' righteousness. He doesn't hold your past against you. He doesn't hold your sin against you. He's not weighing a scale of, well, yeah, you're good enough. Now I'll do something for you. Hey, no, you haven't behaved well enough to come ask me for something. That's not how it works. He says you are credited with Jesus' perfections. You're the perfect kid because of Jesus. He gives you credit to be that perfect kid that you would say, yeah, come ask me for anything because you are awesome kid. 
In Ephesians 1, 3, Paul says this, Blessed be the God and Father, the praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every bit of the inheritance, it is all yours in Christ. What do you need? He's got the treasure trove of spiritual blessings open. He's saying, what what do you need? Just ask. Ask and keep on asking. I got all you'll ever need. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Just keep coming. I got, I'm, I'm happy to do this. I want to bless you with all the good gifts that I can give you. So if we're going to have this kind of prayer life, we've got to stop thinking of ourselves as some formal guest in God's house. Like, you know, I mean, whatever he has said out there, I'm, I'm just... No, he says, come on in, you're my kids. You can't imagine how much I love you. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that, that just should stretch. This stretched me all week in a very exciting way. Just, wow, God, Really? You want me to come to you like this? So so to understand how to relate to God this way, you've got to know your standing, your position in Christ. You're the perfect child because of Christ. Not because of your own deeds, but because of Christ. And that's where he goes, the father-son relationship. Again, this father-son relationship transforms our prayer life. Look at verse 9. He explains, using the father-son relationship, or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, bread being something good, something you need, food, perhaps it looks like a a loaf of bread. He says, now which one of you would would ask for bread, a son would ask his father for bread, and what kind of dad would, would, would give him something that looks like a loaf of bread, but really it's a stone? Or if he asked for fish, would give him a serpent or a snake? Something bad for him. He's asking for something good, something he needs. What kind of dad would give him? Even, he says in in, in the next verse, if you who are evil or fallen or corrupt, you're not the perfect heavenly father. If you would do good gifts to your kids, this is that argument he's been making over and over from lesser to greater. greater. If you, not a heavenly father, would give good gifts, you wouldn't give bad for good requests. If you would do that, how much more would God do this for you? Same argument when we're talking about worry. He says, look, if God would feed the birds, I mean, he loves you so much more than birds. How much more would he do for you? If God loves you as a child, how much more would he do for you than you would do for your own children? And you're not the perfect father or mother. To help us understand the mindset we should have in prayer, Jesus is going to that father-child relationship or parent-child relationship. The underlying idea here is trust. It's trust. Do you trust your father? Do you, do you trust him? Do you trust he's going to give good gifts? Or are you kind of afraid to ask because you... You're afraid it might bring something negative upon you. A lot of times we do that, don't we? I'm not going to pray about whether I should buy this or do this. I'm not going to pray about anything with money because 
somehow that's going to be bad for me. He's going to want me to do something I don't want to do. or he, You know, we do that. God doesn't have anything negative for you. He is wanting to bless you with good gifts. This means that there are no daddy issues with God. Almost everybody has daddy issues. Let's just be honest. Just about every human being on the planet of earth has some daddy issue. My daddy wasn't this. My daddy wasn't that. And it, the, the, this, that's because of the fall. Now, God gave us fathers, not generic parents, but fathers. And the design is that a good, godly father would give us a picture of our heavenly father. So the better we are as men, as fathers to our children, the better we teach them about the, the greatness of God, their heavenly father. And so what we have to do is get to know our heavenly father and not hold our daddy issues against him. Wherever your biological father has failed you because he's a sinner just like you are, and if you're a guy, guess what? You're going to probably do the same thing to your children because you're not going to be perfect either. But whatever daddy issues we have with our biological father, we cannot transfer them to our heavenly father. If there is something that your father, your biological father, where he has failed you and caused you not to trust, not shown you how good and glorious God is, and, and you have trust issues with, with a father, you've got to go to the word of God and get to know your heavenly father. You've got to spend time with him. You've got to walk with him. You've got to read what, what he's written to you. You've got to trust him enough, just one baby step of obedience at a time, and let him show himself to you. Let him show his goodness to you. Let him show how gracious a God he is, that he is your loving, trustworthy father. And he says, if you will know God and the God he truly is, then it will transform your life. You will come to know him as the perfect, all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful God who wants to give you good gifts. And so you'll begin to ask and to keep on asking. You'll begin to seek and keep on seeking. You'll begin to knock and keep on knocking. You'll begin to have freedom. You'll begin to feel comfortable saying, I need, I'm going to God. I'm trying to do this. I need God. I'm going to constantly be coming to God. But it requires us knowing the good gifts that he wants. If he doesn't just spoil us with everything, it's helpful and good, important for us to begin to learn what are the good gifts that God wants. What are the things that God wants to give to us? What are the things we should be passionately asking and seeking? Knowing what God wants to give is found, again, in the Word of God. Knowing His name, His glory, His purposes. This is that Lord's Prayer again. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so we want to know the name of God, the glory of God, the character of God. The kingdom of God is this, His will his, or His reign and His rule. We want to know what God's revealed will is in the scriptures that we submit to that we align our life with what God's purposes are his will his purposes his kingdom once we begin to know what God is all about who God is and what he's all about we align ourselves with him we start to be empowered to pray like this and then we can bring all of our concerns to him 
our daily bread, forgiveness, and, and overcoming evil, our moral, spiritual, and physical needs. We become to freely come to him because we know we're aligned with him and we know what kind of God he is. We know what he is passionately, persistently committed to. And we are able to be set free to go and ask and grab out of the refrigerator, God, I need this. I'm trying to share the gospel. I need this. And I'm praying for this person, Lord. And there is an empowerment. There's a, there's a passion and a persistence that comes when we're aligned with God, his name, his purposes, and his good, disease, his good desires for our lives. It's a lot like my children. My children know I love them. My children know three things about me if they know nothing else. They know I love them, they know I love the lake, and they know I love Johnny's Pizza. I mean, they know that. And it has set them free to ask me for anything related to the lake or Johnny's Pizza because they know I love to say yes. I mean, I've had times where I'm going all day long and I'm working and it's beautiful outside and I'm like, okay, man, if I can just get to this point where I can get this wrapped up, I think I got time to take the kids to the lake. And I hear them around the house, but I'm thinking, Tracy, stop. This is a problem. You have an idol. You love the lake too much. Tracy, you need to mow the yard. You have responsibilities. Yeah, but the lake is calling my name. But I decide I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going not to tell them, let's go to the lake. I'm going to be responsible. And at the end of the day, we'll be sitting around and wrapping up the day. And one of them will say, man, I wanted to go to the lake. And I'm like, why didn't you ask? I was dying to go to the lake. I wanted to take you to the lake. And nobody asked. So I decided to be responsible. And the perfect storm would be, hey, dad, let's go to the lake on the way home. Pick up Johnny's pizza, pepperoni with breadsticks, and cheese sauce. Oh, it's heaven on earth. I love to say yes to those things. I'm kind of always sitting around waiting for them to ask because I want to give those things. And my kids know it. My kids never, ever, 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 I don't think, have ever asked me, Dad, let's go shopping. They don't go here for that because they know that's not what Dad wants to give. But the more they know what I want to give, it empowers them to passionately persist. Come on, Dad, what about this weekend? Hey, Dad, you know, we used to go late to gray. Let's go out there. You know, hey, what about going to Watchdog? I'm like, okay, 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 stop. They love to ask me for the things that they know that I love to give them. The more we know what God is passionate about, the more we know he is committed and he, he doesn't... He's not, not only is he not bothered by it, but he's waiting and longing to ask me, ask me, I want to give it to you. That that helped me this, this week in my study of this. It was very encouraging. No, really, he's sitting on edge waiting for me to ask for things and he wants to give them to me. So let's briefly consider a few objections. Why do we have to ask if he knows and he wants to give them, right? Now, anytime we get to the intersection of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, look, there's mysteries involved, and I don't ever pretend to be able to time in a nice little bow because you can't. But we have seen that God wants us to have a relationship with him. I mean, what good would it be, think about the child again, father-child, mother-child, 
I mean, you want, you take joy, you take pleasure in your children coming to you and asking you for things. It's more enjoyable for both of you. It's better for both of you to have that relationship than just to say, I'm just going to kind of sit from a distance, watch, and throw it out there as they need it. They don't have to ever ask. They don't have to interact with me. I'm just going to give it to them. So God, I think, loves this relationship with us. He loves the time. He loves the interaction. He loves involving, being involved in our lives, just like a good father would with his children. He also loves to remind us of our dependence upon him, that he's God. We never lose that reverence at the same time that there's a comfort level. There's never loss of reverence. He's God. I need him, and he will be the one who provides But part of that is me interacting with him and coming to him and asking. So why are are you still resisting the idea of test the limits of God's generosity? That's what France said this verse teaches us. Test the limits of God's generosity. Push as far out as you can. Just see how generous God will be. What? That sounds a little bit wrong, doesn't it? I think the reason some of us still resist that idea is because we have stuff and things and trinkets of this world in mind. And that's not what he's saying. Even my examples are bad because God's not talking about taking you out to the lake and giving you pizza. And so you're like, well, no, he's saying test the limits of my generosity for the good things according to the great glorious purposes of God And we see in verse 12, for whatever you need so that you can do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So when we put this together, the good things that we are to ask for with passion and persistence are the things that are in line with the name and the reign and the will of God and for your physical, spiritual, moral needs and for whatever you need to serve God and to serve others the way that you would have them serve you. And so if we understand that's what he's talking about, and we understand who God is, that he's good, faithful, true, and loving, and and trustworthy, then we will start to learn, be comfortable asking him for whatever you need. So let's rethink my illustrations real quick with your kids. What if you long to spend some time with your kids because they're older and you actually want to spend a lot of time with them? You get that? See what I did there? When they're younger, sometimes you don't exactly always want to spend a lot of time when they're very challenging. But when they're older and you really want to spend time with them, imagine that you love them, you love being with them, but they're in that stage where they're not so that into you right now. And... One of them calls you up and says, hey, Dad, I know you're busy, but I'm trying to share the gospel with my roommate. Do you have time to to talk to me about that? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'll drive right now. I don't care I'm in a board meeting. I'm out of here. I want to see you. You want to talk to me? You want to share the gospel with someone? You need wisdom about that? Are you kidding me? Absolutely, I want to spend time with you. 
Jesus is saying, I love, 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 love you. (laughs) I love, love, love you. I love being with you. I love spending time with you. I love helping you accomplish my will for your life. Ask me, seek me, knock at my door. We're in this together. Husbands, wives, what do you need to serve your spouse better? Ask, seek, knock. The Lord wants to give it to you. Moms, dads, what do you need? Do you need wisdom for that child you're struggling with? You need wisdom? Ask God who gives generously without finding fault. Adult children, do you need strength to care for your aging parent? You're drained, you need strength, you need perseverance. Ask God because he wants you to take care of that parent. Students, do you have... Are you afraid? You need courage to be faithful at school. Ask God. Seek God. Knock at his door. He wants you to be bold and be faithful at school. Do you need love? Do you need joy? Do you need peace? Do you need patience? Do you need goodness? Do you need faithfulness? Do you need kindness? That that is what God wants for your life. He died to give it to you. Are you sick? Are you hurting Are you grieving? Are you physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally broken? Do not be afraid to ask, to seek, and to knock. He'll answer according to his perfect good will for your life, but don't be afraid to ask and to keep on asking. God, help me with this. I am struggling. He loves, 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 loves you. Church, do you and I need more facility space? Do we need more money to take the gospel to have a greater impact on this community? Do you think God wants the witness of the church, the testimony of his disciples to go out and proclaim the gospel. Do you think that he wants us to plant healthy churches all throughout this city of Shreveport, Bossier, to, t- to take missionaries and to fund sending them all around the globe? Do you think God wants that? Ask, 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 ask. Don't be afraid to ask. And he'll answer according to his perfect will. But let the, 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 the reason he argues here, the reason to ask, the reason to ask is Because those who ask receive, and those who don't, maybe they won't. Father God, we ask that you would take the truths of this scripture, the the incredible truth that you want us to be this bold, and that you want, you long to bless us with the things that you deem good. So Lord, give us a comfort level, a boldness, a courage, a willingness to ask, to seek, and to knock. Lord, help us to know you as the perfect loving Father, as the trustworthy Father. And Lord, whatever, whatever people are right now in this, in this room are struggling with, would you give them passion, courage, trust, to ask you 
What, what, would they have been afraid to ask? Would, would, would they ask you right now? During these song, this closing song as we sing, would all over this room, would we be praying things that we have not been praying because we've been hesitant? We didn't feel comfortable. Lord, ignite the passion and the persistence of our prayer life. It's in Christ's name we pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.